Hey, hello everyone. Thank you for being here. I'm Fran Costigan, the director of vegan pastry at the Ruby Online Culinary School. And I want to welcome everyone who's here today, students in the Essential Vegan Desserts course with me, guests, graduates, anyone who's interested, thank you for being here today for the September live event. I had to think for a minute because time's gotten a little <laughs> wavy for me and from what I hear for, for some of you. So I'm very interested in this particular topic and people say to me how, how it came to be that I picked this topic with our producer, our wonderful producer, Patrick at Ruby was I get asked very frequently, almost right as many times as where do you get your protein? Well, can you be healthy and eat desserts or can desserts fit into a healthful diet or a healthful lifestyle? And so my answer is yes. And I'm basing that on my own experience and also people that I know who are doing the same thing. Now, admittedly, when you, you know, there are certain times when we would be eating desserts more or call them treats more than usual. And what I mean by that is for me, desserts are a necessary part of life and my diet and my happiness and my satisfaction but they're treats, they're treats. They're meant for specific times, special occasions, birthdays, weddings, the holidays are coming up. And if you have a, a bit of a craving, but there are ways to do it. Now, when you're taking a course like essential vegan desserts, you're going to be making more desserts than you would, I think, in your usual life, or certainly when I wrote my cookbooks, there was a lot of dessert around. And it isn't that I couldn't offer desserts to family and friends and neighbors. I still do. And they're very happy to take some of these desserts or most of them from me. But when you're testing recipes, which my students are doing and I'm doing quite frequently. I've got one today that I changed up as a test. You need to do test tasting, test tasting, taste testing. That's what I mean. So you taste something. If it, in the case of chocolate, you're going to taste the chocolate to see how it tastes to you right out of the package before you work with it. If you're making a frosting or a filling or any number of desserts, you do some tasting when it's just out of the oven, a couple of hours later when it's been put in the freezer and taken out and so on. And these little tastes can really add up. So the quest, the, what I do is I go back and say, yes, desserts can be part of a healthy diet but what is healthy and what is health. That normally means the absence of disease. And for me, it means feeling good, you know, having energy, not having my seasonal allergies pretty much went away. A lot of the things that were difficult for me 
before I changed my diet over 25 years ago have really abated since I am following a plant-based diet and primarily eating real foods, whole foods. I eat very healthfully. And I also do the other things that contribute to health. I get make sure to get exercise. I make sure to try to get enough sleep. I mean, I am not a morning person, which is unusual for someone who worked as a pastry chef. And I tend to like to stay up late, but I know that that's not the best. So I go to bed a little bit earlier and I wake up a little bit earlier. I make sure to get my exercise in and I eat breakfast. I eat a big bowl of oatmeal almost every day loaded with the good things. I always have some ground flax in there, berries sometimes, particularly in cooler weather, I like to put some greens, some kale in my oatmeal, savory oatmeal. And that really sets me up for the day. I cannot eat sweets in the morning. So that's something that I don't do. There are people, you know, on the weekends or people like brunch and certainly when I'm with my kids or my grandchildren, there'll be some maple syrup on pancakes. It's not necessarily my favorite thing to do but there are lots of ways. So for everyone, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm talking about plant-based foods, no animal foods at all, no dairy, no eggs, and no refined sugar. We do use sweeteners in this course. So we're going to talk about some, some, of, the, some of the ways that I get around dessert overload while making really delicious desserts. Now, I'm very happy to see my friend and colleague Char Nolan is here today with me. And I know Char for years. I met her when she invited me. Char was a marketing director at a Whole Foods market in Pennsylvania when I still lived in New York. And she invited me to do a demo and book signing. And we just became fast, fast friends. So Char, many, some of you, those of you in the Ruby courses know Char as one of the graders and she's really terrific. But the story that I wanted to tell you was I had brought some chocolate truffles, plant-based truffles to Char as a gift. And she started laughing and she said, because my, the size of my truffles is rather small. It's a two bite truffle. I think that's the way to eat a chocolate dessert happily and healthfully. And she said she'd always been used to those kind of the ones you get in the store that are golf ball sizes. So I'm used to it. I, I believe in serving smaller portions, fill out the plate with fruit, but make something that's delicious, absolutely delicious. Because if you don't, you're, there's no satisfaction going to happen at all. So this is kale. In my very pretty picture, which was a gift from my daughter, I am not dipping it in chocolate. I'm not dehydrating it and dipping it in chocolate. But the, I wanted to make the point that I do eat very healthfully before I dive into my desserts. Now, I don't have any allergies. I am fine with soy. I'm fine with nuts and seeds. I don't have a problem with gluten. 
I know that there are many people who have these other food sensitivities and we do address them in the course. It is not specifically a whole food plant-based no oil course. It is not specifically a gluten-free course, but we have students who go through the course who have these sensitivities. So the first question I'm going to take is from, look at that, it's from Shar. And Shar's question is, is it best practice to add an acid when baking whole food plant-based no oil? That's a really good question, Shar. Thank you for asking it. Now, there are a couple of different kinds of acids. And the reason that we add an acid, for example, I use vinegar. I use apple cider vinegar when I'm making a batter-based dessert. That's a cake or a cupcake or sometimes even cookies, muffins. Before people were talking about vegan desserts, there were some accidentally vegan desserts during wartime when eggs weren't available. And when I was researching way back when, you know, I mean, I say all the time, I've been following a vegan diet, a, a plant-based diet for 25 years and teaching for that long, but it's probably getting closer to 30, to be very honest. There were no egg replacers. I couldn't imagine there was nothing in the marketplace that tasted good. So I really did some research to see were there ever any cakes that leavened, that actually leavened because before the advent of baking powder and baking soda, which are chemical leaveners, there were very flat cakes. Now, baking soda takes needs an acid in order to activate. So Char and everyone else, when you are making a cake and baking soda is your only leavener, you want to add the baking soda to help give that the, I mean, the, the vinegar and my vinegar of choice is apple cider vinegar to give that lift. Now, in truth, I use baking powder, which contains some baking soda and baking soda almost all of the time. When a recipe calls for cocoa powder, for example, the writer should say, the recipe developer should tell you which kind of cocoa powder. There are two main types. One is alkalized, which is called Dutch processed cocoa powder. And the non-alkalized cocoa powder is called natural. And they aren't there. You can interchange them in a pudding or a sauce or a, a frosting even but not in a batter baked dessert because they react differently when the leavening is all natural is all baking soda then that's your clue that the chocolate the cocoa powder and cocoa powder is always unsweetened you're not buying you know hot chocolate hot cocoa mix the leavener is baking soda so it should follow then that any time, you know, you think, well, then I just need to use, I don't need to use baking powder. But many of the ingredients that we use to make vegan desserts are acidic. So our natural 
sweeteners are more acidic than a white table sugar, for example. So I tend to use almost always both. So Char, it isn't really a whole food plant-based, no oil situation. It is a best practices in baking. Now there's another place to use an acid and it's a different kind of acid from baking soda and vinegar, for example. And that's to make aquafaba meringue. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know about the miracle of aquafaba yet, it is chickpea water at its simplest. And it's aquafaba, water bean. And just in the same way that you would beat egg white meringue with a bit of cream of tartar, which is an acid, you do the same thing when you're making aquafaba meringue. If you don't have cream of tartar, you can use a little bit of vinegar, or I prefer to use a little bit of lemon juice. So I hope that answers your question, Char. And if not, send me another one. Terry's is looking, oh, I'm glad you're looking forward to the session. I'm happy to be here. Healthy tips are always greatly appreciated. Please pass along your favorite healthy sugar ingredient options. That's a gigantic question. So um, I do use, I prefer the term sweetener to sugar, and I divide that into granulated sweeteners and liquid sweeteners because I use them both. And I use, I choose what I'm using depending on some criteria. What dessert am I making? What is the outcome that I'm looking for? If I am baking for someone with a very conventional palate, for example, I will tend to use organic vegan cane sugar. So that is the closest to refined white sugar, but it hasn't been filtered through bone char and it hasn't been bleached. The crystals are larger and it's a different color. I do use sweeteners to make cakes and frostings. There are many unsweetened, fully unsweetened desserts in the course because I want to teach people all kinds of different ways of doing things. But there are liquid sweeteners as well. I never say that sugar is sugar is sugar, but by the same token, the nat, the more, the less, let's call them less refined sweeteners that we use as part of a healthy plant-based diet. They're also flavor sugars. They add some flavor. They still have some fiber. They still have some minerals. By the same token, I'm not telling you to drink, you know, maple syrup out of a glass, a glass of maple syrup, and you're going to be healthy that way. But if you don't want to use any sweeteners, there are people who really enjoy coconut sugar. It has a very mild molasses taste, which is really quite lovely. I think it's very nice. And I'm seeing it more and more even in chocolate bars to sweeten chocolate. Um, then there are the fruit sweeteners, date. Dates are very sweet. Dates retain the fiber. So that is a sweetener can be used, not in everything. There is a liquid sweetener that is called date syrup or date honey or salon, which is the way it's known in the Middle East that has been used for millennia. And it is 
considered very healthful. In terms of the coconut sugar, it is considered a very sustainable sweetener. So I hope that helps. Terry, it's up to you. I just got a new box of sweetener that I haven't used yet. And I think I'll talk about it next month, but it's actually called black sugar. And it comes from a particular, a very small region in Japan. And Elizabeth Ando, her last name is A-N-D-O-H, if you want to look her up. She is a scholar. She has written many cookbooks. She's lived in Japan for many years. I've had the opportunity to speak with her at length. She is an absolute scholar. And she says this particular sweetener, it's a granulated sweetener, it also comes as chunks, is, has some health-supporting supportive properties. So we'll see about that. Now, Kate has a question. Let's see. Well, I agree with Kate. Hi, Kate. I know you're from the course. Kate acknowledges that some desserts are best served only as special treats. However, is there a reasonable substitution in recipes calling for coconut oil or coconut butter where one or one's guest is trying to avoid saturated fats? Absolutely, Kate. There are many people I know who are not using oils. You, you mentioned coconut oil or coconut butter. There's extra virgin olive oil, mild tasting. I really am liking sunflower oil very much lately in my batter-based desserts. But you can try using applesauce or a date paste or a plum dried, a plum paste, which we used to call prunes, but has been remarketed to dried plums. When you are working to make a substitution, you always want to cut the recipe at least in half, maybe by a quarter, and see what happens. People use banana as well, but of course, that's going to impart more of a flavor. Now, I will say this. I got very interested after I attended the Engine 2 or Plant, I think it was Plant Stock Conference last week. It was great information. And I was thinking about how I had made, you've, some of you have heard me say this over and over again, but I'm quite proud of it. And it was really fun. I made Rip Esselstyn, Engine 2. His dad is Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr., the prevent and reverse heart disease doctor. I made his wedding cakes, which talks to the point that that was a special treat. I did it without added oil. I didn't use any applesauce, plum paste, date paste, nothing. I just didn't use oil. The cake was very good. It was a little denser. So I came off this particular day with my head spinning and I had cooked a bunch of black beans. In my mind, I don't like the combination of beans, which beans for me are a big food group. I eat beans every day. I love beans. I have a whole pantry full behind me. I mean, two shelves full. But I don't like the idea of beans and sugar. And then I started thinking about, in terms of digestion, for me, I know there are a lot of black bean brownies out, you know, a lot of recipes. But I remembered that Japanese cuisine, there's a very beloved ajuki bean sweetened dessert. 
often served inside of a mochi. It's used a lot. And I happen to like adukey beans. And I looked up Elizabeth's recipe and it calls for cooking them with a lot of sugar. So here I had the black beans and I did two tests with to make a, a very small black bean cake. Now, I used a pan that was very small. It was a cake pan, but I have one that's three inches because I divided the recipe up and that's what I did. And then I did it a second time with a slightly different twist. I took careful notes. They were okay. They were okay. They need These recipes need more testing, but I personally didn't digest them the same way that I digest an, an ordinary, you know, a regular cake. So we'll see about that. We'll see about that. But cake, go ahead and replace the oil with some fruit paste and see what happens. You can also ask in the Facebook group, because I know a lot of your colleagues, your fellow students have done that. Catherine has a really interesting question. What type of chocolate has less caffeine in it? So I'm going to tell you that in case there's anybody here who isn't aware of this yet, we keep learning and we don't always learn what's correct in the beginning. So when I was first in culinary school, or not my first culinary school, but my second one, I learned, I was told for a particular event that I was to use a very low fat cocoa powder. It was a whole food plant-based, no oil type of a demonstration I was doing. And the cocoa powder I was to use had a particular brand name. I don't remember what it is now, but it was less than 10% fat. So if anybody isn't aware, you know, there's chocolate is pressed. The When the beans are first pressed, that's chocolate paste. It's called cacao paste, it's called pure chocolate. And then when the fat is pressed out, not all of it, but most of it, and the fat is called cocoa butter, it's not dairy, it's the fat in chocolate. You can buy it separately to make Kupacher chocolates and all kinds of white chocolate, all kinds of things like that. So I was told that the caffeine was tied to the fat in the chocolate. And that's why I was to use this, use this low fat cocoa powder. Well, as I got more interested in chocolate, I learned that it's really quite the opposite. So here we have something that's going to be a choice for some of us. The caffeine in chocolate does contain a type of caffeine. It's different from the caffeine in a cup of coffee. But anyone who's interested in coffee knows that drip coffee has more caffeine than an espresso. There are lots of ways of, you know, to look at this. The higher percentage chocolates, which are the ones I like to use, they have more chocolate flavor and the higher the percentage of chocolate, the less sugar is in that chocolate, those are the ones that have the higher caffeine. So a lower percentage chocolate has less caffeine in it than a higher percentage chocolate. I'm still using my high percentage, my, I tend to use 70 to 72% chocolates to make my ganaches and truffles and frostings. Occasionally I'll go to 85%, but 
you know, that's, that takes tweaking of a recipe. So then you're going to have more more caffeine. So when you buy a pure chocolate, one that has no sweetener in it, a hundred percent chocolate, and they're, they're on the marketplace. There are lots of reasons to do that. You can add your own sweetener to it as you wish. Those are the ones that are going to have the highest caffeine. So I learned something. Now, Char, hi, Char. Char has another question. I really like this question because it gives me an opportunity to answer. You know, I get this. This is not a question that I haven't seen before. Char wants to know, should I... Should all of my flowers be stored in the freezer? What is the benefit to the baking process itself? There is no benefit to the baking process itself, except that your flowers aren't going to be rancid, which is a benefit. We're using un less refined flowers, that's for sure. I am preferring a more and more and more to use 100% whole wheat pastry flour to make cakes, even cakes and delicate desserts. But I found a whole wheat pastry flour that is made from heritage wheat and it is really very soft. It's like baby powder. It's beautiful. And it's impact ground, not stone ground. So it's a whole different thing. Otherwise, I use 50% AP flour, 50% whole wheat pastry flour. I like spelt flour. So all of these whole grain flours haven't been refined, and that means they contain the fat that's inherent in the grains. This is a good fat, but they can get rancid. And there is, you know, once something is rancid, whether it's flour or nuts or seeds, becomes very unhealthful. You can often smell it or taste it, but not always. And then there's a second reason, and that is sometimes when you buy flowers that have been sitting on the shelf, especially in warm weather, there could be some little bits of animal in there. I don't mean a dog or a cat, but little, little tiny critters. And so when I get my flowers home from the market, or delivered, they go right into my freezer. I don't know how long they've been sitting on the shelves, and I try to choose markets with a fast turnover. So I put them in the freezer. Anything extra that's in there isn't going to be there anymore. And then I do store the ones that I use the most frequently, I store in my refrigerator. Otherwise, I keep them in the freezer. You're going to have the freshest flour. Thanks for asking that question. Kathleen has an interesting question, too. Is there something we can use to substitute for an egg wash on pastries? Absolutely. There are a couple of different things you can do. All an egg wash does is helps contribute to some browning. So I know a lot of people like to use coconut oil. I don't do that. Depending on the kind of pastry it is, I will sometimes not use an egg wash at all, but brush with a little rice syrup afterwards to shine something up. Aquafaba works. The simplest thing to do is to use a rich plant milk. You don't want to drown the pie crust or your barica or your scone, but you can just brush lightly if 
soy soy milk for me is one that i would like to use if soy is something that you're avoiding i'm pretty much using oat milk for everything if you want a little tiny sweetener in there you can add maybe for a quarter of a cup or a third of a cup of plant milk add about a teaspoon of maple syrup or agave and that should work for you at all regina regina wants to know if i've had success making vegan marshmallows with aquafaba well i haven't tried <laughs> it's not something that is especially appealing to me when i don't use a lot of marshmallows i when I'm making s'mores, I like to take my aquafaba meringue and burn it as we torch it, torch it as we do in the course. But I know that there are people who are doing vegan marshmallows with aquafaba, but not only aquafaba. There are a number of things that are used. Suad from Algeria wants to talk about, oh, this is interesting. Uh, wants to know cooking tips and how to work to make money and practice the profession with credibility. So Suad, and if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, I apologize. I'd like to know if you are already working as a professional chef. The, there are many things to do in terms of making money. I can't really tell you. And the business is, you know, the business is changing right now. There are a lot of restaurants in my area and I understand everywhere who are really looking for help, both um, prep help and cooks and servers. So uh, it might be the same where you are. You need to understand how to work. So our courses do prepare essential vegan desserts and the Plant Pro course really do prepare people to work as professional chefs and there are many things that people do. Some people become recipe developers. Some people write cookbooks. Some people have cottage businesses out of their home. Some people have food delivery services. You need, again, you need to understand your subject. It's If you haven't taken a course, it's a good idea to do that. It's a good idea. It's really necessary in the food business to have your safe serve certification. So that's something that you want to do. And in terms of those will all help with your credibility. I think showing up neatly dressed, hair pulled back with a scarf, using gloves, all of those best practices that we talk about in our courses make a really big important difference. So good luck with that, Suad. Um, she also has a question about diabetic patients. So I don't, I tend to steer people who are doing desserts for diabetics to desserts that are naturally made without sugar, like a fruit gel, a poached pear, a baked apple stuffed with walnuts, cacao nibs, all kinds of seeds, you know, all kinds of health supportive fiber, good tasting ingredients in there rather than using artificial sweeteners. Both of my stepsons were type one diabetics and, you know, it really made me cringe when many, many years ago they came back from the place at the time for diabetic 
education being told to drink a whole lot of uh, Diet Coke. So I don't think that works and I know things have changed. But that said, I don't really like, I, I see Shar has a comment about this or a question. I don't especially use the non-nutritive sweeteners, the no-cal sweeteners. Now I never use, you know, uh, equal and whatever that thing was in the, in those pink packet. I can't even remember. My mother lived on it. Um, stevia leaf. I, I will sweeten a cup of tea with stevia leaf, but not, I don't care for the powder. I have a pan, a big bucket of all of these newer non-nutritive sweeteners. Most of them, except for stevia are sugar alcohols. I think they're better in combination. There's one that will kill your dog. So be careful about that. I, I tend to use um, allulose more than any of the others, but sparingly. And allulose works the most like sugar and has the least offensive taste. So Char, and I, I think that, again, I think the way to do non-caloric sweeteners is to focus on desserts that don't need to be sweetened. I mean, if I think pure maple syrup in very small amounts is okay. I'm told that date paste can be okay for some people, but if the registered dietitian you work with is encouraging stevia or stevia, then you know you might want to ask her more questions about it and ask also about allulose. Many of these sweeteners, they're all over the marketplace. I even saw allulose in um, Trader Joe's recently. If you notice, they are in combination one with the other. And they're, you know, for some people, you're eating a piece of cake or a cookie made with these sweeteners and you might find that you have a stomach ache afterwards because they can affect your digestion. Oh, hi, Sharon. Oh, I want to say hi, Sharon. I miss you. Sharon was my neighbor in New York. Used to run over to make desserts with me and taste them, but I moved away and she moved away too. So Sharon's question is when you're developing cakes, muffins, cookies, anything baked requiring a leavening, is there a rule of thumb for the amount of baking powder or baking soda? That's a really good question. I would like to say that for each cup of flour, when we're doing vegan desserts, use a teaspoon of each, but that isn't, you know, it's not set in stone. I want to make the point that our desserts work and we do have some formulas, absolutely. But depending on what else is in the cake, if you're making a lemon cake, as opposed to a chocolate cake, the leavening might change. So look through, Sharon graduated from Essential Vegan Desserts, look through the recipes in the course and you'll start seeing a pattern and that will help you understand it. But basically baking soda, baking powder, maybe a teaspoon, I have a teaspoon each per cup of flour and don't forget the vinegar. Jessica wants to know, 
can you make healthy gluten-free desserts that are just as tasty? Well, Jessica and everyone else, if things aren't tasty, I'm not there. I mean, I just don't see the point. So I will walk on by. If I make something and it isn't absolutely delicious, I'm going back to the drawing board if it's or into the test kitchen if it's almost good and if it's terrible then it's terrible the answer is yes um one of my favorite recipes i'm not gluten-free again so and, and i tend to be able to taste gluten-free desserts but the bat the batter based desserts have a kind of a powdery taste to me but i have a mini gluten-free brownie bite. Hold on one second. Happens to be right here. That is made with some prune paste or plum paste that tastes absolutely delicious. A lot will depend on the gluten-free blend that you use. If you're buying a blend, I think the Bob's Red Mill one-to-one AP gluten-free baking flour with the blue label is the best one we have. There are lots of recipes. If nuts are not an issue, adding some almond flour, which has a nice fat, will help. What isn't the case is that you can just convert every recipe, take out the flour, put in the gluten-free flour, and expect it to be delicious. So it takes some doing or use desserts, make desserts that are naturally gluten-free, like a chocolate truffle, like a gel or a pudding. We have so many desserts in the course, if you think about it, that don't have gluten naturally. So here we go. So Carol is saying, is she understanding correctly that AP flour does not need to be refrigerated or frozen? I keep all of my flours in the refrigerator, including AP, but I don't worry as much about AP being on the counter for a longer period of time. The AP flour, all-purpose flour that I use has not been bleached or bromated. And Carol wants to know also, can you use Vitamix to make the ginger cream? Absolutely, positively, absolutely, yes. Um, hi, Suita. She loves eating desserts. They give her happiness. Eat a lot when stressed. Welcome <laughs> to the world. And I still keep eating here and there and not stress about gaining fat because of them. I'm almost 35. The metabolism will decrease from here. Well, in terms of metabolism decreasing, I know I read that too, but I'm in my past 60s. <laughs> you know, I'm a grandma of four and I am a senior and I don't think my metabolism has decreased because I exercise and I eat well and I do all the things that I mentioned in the beginning. If you feel like you're going to be stress eating, there are lots of things that you can do. Um, take a walk, take a breath, get out of the kitchen, drink some water. And for some of us, there are foods that are trigger foods and you might want, not want to have them around. Believe it or not, one of my trigger foods is pretzels, hard pretzels. I, I don't know. I like crunchy, salty. What can I say? If I feel kind of that coming on, 
I just don't have them around, but I still want that crunchy thing going. I make the, I'm trying to think that it's a recipe from Switch. That's W S W I C H, which is a new plat newer platform from the founders of Ruby. It's fabulous and there's no cost to join, but there is a whole seed cracker. And I think it's called a flatbread and it's paleo. It's made with flax. It's so easy. I do the whole thing. You do the whole thing in your blender, flax and hemp and sesame seeds and maybe some other seeds and some nutritional yeast. I add more of the spicing, more, more oat. Yeah, not oat. You see, I'm thinking about desserts. <laughs> Garlic powder, onion powder, and some other herbs and spices than the recipe calls for. And when I need to crunch, I do that. Or, you know, I always, when I'm prepping, I make sure to have carrot sticks, celery, and things like that around so I don't necessarily reach for a dessert. But if I want a dessert, something little like this isn't going to be a problem for me. Or, you know, one small truffle, because the ones I make are delicious, it's going to be satisfying. So good luck with that. Um, Phyllis is interested in pie recipes and methods. We have a whole unit on how to make pies in essential vegan desserts. It's a process. Now, when I was choosing the pie dough to use as our teaching recipe for the course, I wanted to really teach something that was quite different. And our pie dough is made with a chilled oil instead of vegan butter. Well, naturally, all those years ago, there was no good vegan butter in the marketplace. There was only hydrogenated margarine and it tasted awful and it smelled awful and it was very unhealthful. So I developed a pie dough using a cold oil and it takes a process. It's a process. So anybody who has made pies or has seen recipes for pie dough, pastry dough knows that it's not difficult once you understand the process, but there is time needed because you mix up the dough. You don't overmix it, but you add enough liquid, but not too much liquid. You do step one and the dough has to rest because any gluten that's developed, you want it to relax. So it goes into the fridge. You take it out, roll it, put it back in and it rests. So there are three rests and that's something that needs to be practiced, that's for sure. But I am more of a cake person than a pie person, but I this time of the year, I start thinking about pies. So Phyllis, I'd like to know what kind of pies you like. I know there are real pie lovers out there, that's for sure. Okay, Lewis says, I see in some baking and desserts that pastry chefs cracked then mix together. Okay. I do not understand your question, Lewis. I'm sorry, but if you're talking, let's see. The basting brush is used to slather the egg mixture to the dish that will be going into the oven to bake. All right. I think what you're asking me is about egg replacement. If I'm wrong, then correct me. There are so many different egg replacements available for vegan desserts. And 
my recipes were developed without using any egg replacements because there were none. So again, baking powder, baking soda, vinegar, I figured out pretty early on that I could brown a pie crust or a scone by using some plant milk with a little sweetener or a sweetener and it worked. We have a whole unit, of course, on egg replacement in the course for, and there is no one size fits all. I really take issue with that because it depends on what you're making. Sometimes if a cookie recipe calls for one egg, you really don't need it at all. You know, there are other ways to do what the egg will do. But there's an interesting article I was interviewed for an article by self.com about egg replacement. And it was terrific for me to see when the article came out, several paste vegans, pastry chefs offered their opinions as well. And we all had slightly, slightly different opinions, which to me gave some credibility to my saying, there's not one size fits all, but there's you know, aquafaba is an egg replacer, baking powder, baking soda, vinegar is an egg replacer, flax or chia gel is one kind of an egg replacer. Some people say that fruit purees are, but you know, some are good for binding. What about leavening? And it's just, it's a lot to figure out. Start with recipes that are reliable recipes that are already vegan. And you're ha and you're there. So, Liam wants to know how can I adapt some of our current cookie and muffin recipes to avoid butter and oils? Can banana or apple be used? Um, so this is we've been talking about this quite a bit. And if you mean some of our cookie in the course, I would still encourage you to cut the recipe in half make it the way it's written by half, write every single change down so you don't forget one and mess up. Get a baseline to see how it tastes the way it is. You just need one small taste, then give it away if you don't want any oil. And then start replacing a lot of our students, a lot of people, many of our chefs. I know Chef Shar doesn't use oil and... Um, uses the fruit paste or the flax or chia gels instead. What happens when eggs are omitted and not replaced by anything? It depends. If it's one egg, sometimes nothing, depending on what the recipe is. Leanne wants to know, can water be used to replace egg? I've been hearing, I don't know if there's anybody here who has done this yet, but I've been hearing that carbonated water, seltzer water is replacing eggs. I haven't done it yet. So if anybody has anything to say about that, I would be interested in knowing. We're coming to the end of our time, but I wanna answer a couple more questions. Um, Lynn says, I always think of using sugar and sweeteners as unhealthy. Can you help me change my mindset? Well, <laughs> I don't think of sugar and sweeteners as health foods. I don't, but I think that if you, if the idea is to make a dessert and to make something that's really delicious and satisfying and a little, just enough sweetener, just enough of one of those sweeteners to make the dessert 
delicious and serve it in a smaller portion, I think that's the way to make sugar and sweeteners more healthful. That I do. Enrique says, chocolate's my addiction. How can I satisfy it in a healthy and nutritious manner? Hold on. <laughs> so, when I make desserts, one way to make a dessert more healthful is to serve a single layer tort. Um, somewhere here, oh, okay, here, it's right here. Here is another small piece, but it's two layers. So if you start with the idea that you're serving a single layer tort, it's a smaller dessert. I've got some chocolate ganache on here. Ganache is just at its simplest, a percentage of a certain percentage of chocolate and some dairy, some plant milk. And that is very satisfying. Fill out the plate with fruit. I've got some gold luster dust on here, put some fruit on top. And that's one way to satisfy your chocolate craving. This is a slice of a whole grain baguette that's spread with ganache. I like a little bit of flaked sea salt on here, smoked sea salt, but you can build this up with fruit, with bananas and so on. So that's another way. And here, I think you can see this, like some of the cuts in here. This is some ganache that I made and cut into very small squares that will become small truffles and which I talked about in the very beginning, making those truffles. I can dust them in cocoa powder. I can dust them in blue pea flower powder. I can dust them. I can enrobe them in cacao nibs or coconut or almonds. And you get a couple of bites and then you have something that's really delicious. Find a chocolate that doesn't have dairy, that doesn't have a whole bunch of junk in it. Hi, Marina. Um, Marina says she doesn't have a question. She's just stopping by to say hello. Thanks for the course. I had a blast. And you've been carrying on with your date dessert, still loving it. Marina did her final, which is a dessert showcase, mini five mini desserts, all dates, but magnificent. So it's good to see you. It's good to see you. Um, let's see here. I miss, here's an oatmeal question. Since oatmeal is a possible savory item, what are some classic savory items that you make dessert? Well, our drop biscuits don't have any sugar in them. And we've had people add in spices and herbs and chopped greens and so on. Um, we do an agar fruit soup as a recipe and people have done it with savory. I like, you know, I've been adding more herbs and spices of a savory nature into my foods. I've been making shortbread with chopped rosemary and lemon thyme. I've been infusing my fruit juices with herbs and that's really wonderful. Hi, Laura. It's good to see you. Laura wants to know, in a pinch to satisfy a formerly diabetic husband's sweet tooth, I have relied on nice cream, frozen bananas, wild blueberries, and 
cacao nibs and a splash of maple syrup, which he swoons over. And Laura says, healthy with a question mark. I would swoon over that too. And thanks for bringing that up because for people who don't want to eat ice cream, now I have a whole chapter on vegan ice creams in my cookbook, vegan chocolate. They're delicious. I have the kind of ice cream machine you just plug in and make ice cream. So there are so many vegan ice creams in the marketplace today. But when I am doing what I'm doing right now, which is moderating my desserts for a period of time because I'm coming off a lot of testing, if I get a craving for ice cream, I do make nice cream. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know what that is, it starts with frozen bananas. I don't want my banana to necessarily taste like banana. A lot of people do this in their Vitamix blender. I prefer to do it in my food processor. I find I can control the consistency. So you can take these frozen bananas, cut them up. You can add cocoa powder. You can add frozen fruit as Laura does, strawberries, all kinds of things. Sometimes I don't, you know, you have to taste the fruit to make sure that, is it sweet? Is it, I have these blueberries today. They're giant, right? And they're actually very tart. So if I were using them, I would add some maple syrup, but that's a great thing to do. And then that's enough. It's ice cream. You want to jazz it up. You can add, you know, if my grandchildren are here, I add some vegan sprinkles or a little bit of chocolate sauce. That's really great. Um, Mary wants to know, is there a rule for substituting carob for chocolate? No, there isn't. A carob is much sweeter than chocolate. And I roast my carob first to add to the flavor of it. It kind of clumps around the edges and then I strain it. So that's the thing to do for that. They're both brown, but they're very different. Sharon wants to know what's my favorite fall dessert recipe, something with pumpkin. That's kind of hilarious because I've been resisting pumpkin. It just feels too... <laughs> feels too soon. I'm holding on to summer. I'm one of those people that really likes summer and hot weather, although it was 91 degrees here yesterday. That's a bit much, but yes, definitely. My son has to have his, the pumpkin pie and he likes the one in the course. I, I don't want pumpkin lattes. I don't like that. I like pumpkin mousses. You know, you can do the same thing with the cashew cream or with tofu. I like to cook spices into my pumpkin and it's delicious, but we'll have to talk about pumpkin-y things. I also like apples. I love baked apples stuffed with all that healthy, you know, all the fiber that goes, that's naturally and everything that's good that's in the nuts and seeds and so on inside of a baked apple or served with a poached pear. To me, that's really fall. So thanks for that question. Char says she loved this event. Well, thank you for being here, Char. And thank you all for being here with me. I hope that you had some of your questions answered. And you can always reach out to me again at fran at ruby.com. You can find lots of photos. If you're not in the group, go to the 
my Instagram feed at Good Cakes Fran on Instagram, and you'll see lots of photos of student work too. So thank you, everyone. I hope I'll see some of you next month. Take care.